Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Well, church, it's fairly obvious that we're coming to live in the end times, isn't it? I mean, every day you turn on the news and you see earthquakes and floods and hurricanes and wars and rumors of wars, people proclaiming down to the second when they know Jesus is coming and the rapture is going to take place. Now we have Jesus impersonators. And in fact, did you know that there is a man living in Brazil who calls himself Jesus Christ reincarnated? He calls himself Jesus Christ reincarnated. Virtually everything that Jesus said would happen in Matthew 24 is happening in the world right now. Now let me ask a question. Does that mean that Jesus is coming for us today? I don't know. But what I know it means is that our salvation from Romans 13 is nearer today than when we first believed. And what we're to do is instead of looking at all the chaos in the world, we're to look up and fix our eyes on Jesus because our salvation is close at hand. And so whether it's two weeks, two months, two years, two decades, two centuries, whatever it may be, we are so close and the groundwork is being made. In fact, the stage is being set. We see it all over the world. You don't have to look too far to know that technology is taking us in a, in a direction that could bring about this big change. And I'll, so I say this because in the light of everything that's happening in the world, an article was shared online. If you saw Pastor Ben's Facebook, he shared this, this article by a pastor hoping to keep everything that's going on in the world in perspective. And so in the article, he spoke about Hurricane Harvey that, that ravished Houston, and then Hurricane Irma, and then Jose and all the things that are happening on those islands. And then, of course, they have the fires that were taking place in Oregon and Montana. And now we have these earthquakes in Mexico, which, you know, we have that people to pray for section in our bulletin. Let's just write down these people that have been devastated, these people that have been um, so affected by these tragedies. Let's, let's commit to pray for God's hand of protection upon them. And so his goal in this article was asking, what do all these things mean? And his conclusion was, I believe a righteous one. Because what he said is God is not sending these things. This is not God's judgment. But what he is doing is he's allowing them as wake-up calls. And the end result is for us to repent and seek Jesus. He quotes a scripture where Jesus was asking about, uh, Jesus was being asked about a tower that fell on these people. And they're like, was it because of their wickedness? And God's like, no. Jesus is like, no, we're all wicked. We're all going to be uh, we're all going to be found wanting in our own righteousness. And so what he says is repent and get a new righteousness, which is what he offers, his own. And so along with the conclusion of this article that said it is a wake-up call, it is the call for us to repent and confess and seek Jesus, he put this quote by the great author C.S. Lewis, who in his book, The Problem of Pain, said, God whispers to us in our pleasures speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf word, deaf world. Let me say that all again. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks 
in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is, it is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And I thought, man, that's really powerful. And so it, it led me down this, this thought process where I started to think about pain and what it means to Christians. And that's what led to our teaching this morning because I've titled this message, It's Going to Be Worth It All. And really, I thought that because you, you're born, you suffer, and you die just didn't quite have the appeal that um, It's Going to Be Worth It All does as a title for a message. And, and if people are looking through the podcast, they might just skip over that one. So if you're taking notes as we go through our text and our study this morning, uh, I'd like to give you four truths about pain in the life of the Christian. Four truths. They're simple. And if you want to write them down, number one is pain has a purpose. Number one is pain has a purpose. Number two is pain is a purifier. Number three, pain is a passport. And number four, pain isn't permanent. Now, to clarify, let me, let me go through those, uh, those four one more time. Pain has a purpose. Pain is a purifier. Pain is a passport. And pain isn't permanent. To clarify, when I say pain this morning, please understand what I am saying is I'm saying the pain of this life, the pressure that we feel, the suffering that we go through, the persecutions that we endure, the trials that we face. I'm kind of, in this study, I'm lumping them all together uh, to talk about things like the trials that we have as believers. We all go through things that we're just like, oh, this is definitely a trial. You know, whether it's... um, whether it's being mocked at work or whether it's maybe your faith being tested. Maybe it's something where um, you're being challenged with just a f- like where you have to step up your faith and you have to believe in God. That's a trial. And then also I'm talking about the pain that happens naturally to us when we get old. Can I get an amen? amen. How many of us are like, you're reaching for something and you're like, my arm has never hurt like that. Or I got on the floor the other day and I was like, man, I remember when I was a little kid and I just slept on the floor and you'd wake up and you'd be like, ha ha, and just run away. You know, I got on the floor the other day to play with the dogs and I was like, what did I do? Why am I down here, <laughs> you know? And you're like rolling around and you're like, that's not comfortable. I used to love carpet. It was awesome. I mean, you'd be sleeping on the carpet and your parents would just come and throw a blanket on you and you're like, ah, now I'm, I'm in bed. I'm done. You know, until your dad came and whoop, scooped you up. So I'm talking about the pain that happens naturally as we get old. And then I'm talking about the hardships that we endure in this fallen world. Because we know that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And I love what Job, Job, our example of endurance and suffering, what he says in Job chapter 2, and I've read this the other day in the New Living, and it's, it's ministered to my heart so much. He said to his wife, who's like, Oh, you think you're a good man then, huh? Why don't you just curse God and die? And he's like, whoa, 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 easy. Let's not go that far, woman. You know, and that's kind of, that's the Josh interpretation. But this is what New Living says, verse two, or chapter 2, verse 10. He says, should we accept only the good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So we know that God doesn't cause bad things in this world. Because of the fallen nature of this world, he has to allow them. 
And so we, we know that there's hardships we endure, but then there's also persecutions. And, and in America, we don't experience persecution nearly like the rest of the world does. But we experience persecutions when we follow Jesus. And 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It's a promise that Paul makes through the inspiration that God gives. Now, we also have pain sometimes because we're dumb and sometimes we do dumb stuff and we're like, check this out, here, hold my Coke or whatever. And the next thing you know, you're like, ah, I heard it. I don't know what I did, you know, but we go through pain in life just because we're dumb and we do sinful things. And, and there's things in our past before we came to God that hurt and, they, and we carry them and we have to sometimes because they're with us. But the pain that I'm talking about is all those things lumped together. Which leads us to our first point, and that is truth number one, pain has a purpose. Now, I have to ask this, how many of y'all love superheroes? Anybody? Okay. I make no attempts to hide that I'm a bit of a geek and I dig nerd culture, and so growing up, Superman was my jam. He was always one of my favorite characters, and I was always fascinated with the different things that he could do. He could fly, he shot lasers out of his eyes. And then one of his greatest things... His greatest strength was his strength, but not only that, his invulnerability. And, um, you know, you think about a guy coming up and shooting in Point Blake, and he's like, oh, that tickled, you know, or, or trying to, you know, they, as the graphic, um, the, the computer graphic images got better, they would stab a knife into him, and he'd be like, did you do something? You know, because what, what happened was they were showing that he felt no pain, and the only thing that could hurt him was kryptonite. And so for a while, I thought, man, that'd be so cool to never feel any pain, just to, to go through life not feeling pain. But the truth is, is that's not the world we live in. Krypton isn't real. There's no man flying around in the sky with, with an S on his chest. And we can't deflect bullets with our skin. Some time ago, I came across a New York Times story, story titled, The Hazards of Growing Up Painlessly. And it goes on to talk about a girl named Ashlyn Blocker, who has a condition called SEPA, or congenital insensitivity to pain with anhydrosis. And, and I wanted to read just the first few paragraphs of that story. It says this, Ashlyn Blocker's parents and kindergarten teachers all describe her as the same way, fearless. So they nervously watch her plunge full tilt into a childhood deprived of natural alarms. In the school cafeteria, Teachers put ice in five-year-old Ashlyn's chili. If her lunch is scalding hot, she'll gulp it down anyway. On the playground, a teacher's aide watches Ashlyn from within 15 feet, keeping her off the jungle gym and giving chase when she runs. If she takes a hard fall, Ashlyn won't cry. Ashlyn is among a tiny number of people in the world known to have a congenital insensitivity to pain with anhydrosis or SEPA, a rare genetic disorder that makes her unavailable or unable to feel pain. Some people would say that's a good thing, but no, it's not, said Ashlyn's mother. Pain is there for a reason. It lets your body know something's wrong and it needs to be fixed. I'd give anything for her to feel pain. Guys, as I read this story, the pastor, the communicator, the, the spiritual leader in me couldn't help but be floored by what I was reading. Because there's such a powerful spiritual correlation between all the pain and suffering that we see in people's lives and the desire to take it away, but also the need that we have for pain in our lives to teach us valuable lessons and to shape our characters. 
And that's what suffering and trials are all about. That's why when we say, hashtag the struggle is real, you know, hopefully you're not using it in a goofy sense, but we realize that there's a major biblical component to it. In fact, James, the half-brother of Jesus, knew this very well because in the one book of the Bible that he wrote, this concept beyond his one-verse greeting is literally his first statement. In verse 2 of chapter 1 of the book of James, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, when troubles, pains, trials, persecutions come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. That's an odd thing to think about. But he goes on to to, um, defend that statement because he says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. And so I say to you this morning, for anyone, and I mean anyone, to say that a Christian should have a life without pain, free of suffering, absent of persecution or trials, is denying the very foundation of who Jesus is. If you find a pastor that says that, leave and take people with you. Don't sit there and listen to him or confront him and be like, ah, Pastor Josh said, you know, like take him to the book of James, take him to where Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. I'm sorry, I'm getting all preachy. All right, so you know what? There was almost no one in the Bible who was more acquainted with pain and suffering than the Apostle Paul. And so after his Damascus road, he had that face-to-face encounter with Jesus. And and what we see from there is Paul's life was filled with trials, with suffering, with pain, with constant betrayal. I mean, he's got lists in chapters of the Bible where he's like, yeah, I got killed by being stoned. Somebody threw rocks at me until I was dead. And then I was beaten with rods, and then I was whipped, and then I got shipwrecked. And, And his life ends so tragically where everyone basically deserted him. And he was writing his son in the faith, Timothy, Timothy, saying, this imprisonment is so brutal. Can somebody bring me my coat because I'm cold? I mean, he understood pain. Historically, this outrageous apostle, apostle wasn't much to look at. Compared to some of the traveling preachers of that day, um, people didn't know what to make of him traveling preachers would come in and they would be kind of like the Benny Hens of this world where they would come in and they would have the nice new robes and they would roll in on the the 24 karat chariots or whatever and they would be like listen to me and if you follow my theology then you'll be rich and people were like wow no way that's awesome and here Paul would come hunched over the historically they say that he was short he had really bad eyesight and so he would come in and they say that um he actually didn't have um he wasn't known for being such a great public speaker and so he'd come in all bug-eyed and and he would come in and he instead of demanding that the people pay for him to be there to preach to them in fact he'd go and he'd make tents so he wouldn't be a burden on the people and as he spoke from a heart of love a man on mission a man who loved god with all of his heart whose life was so changed radically by the gospel that he went known from being known as saul which means favored one requested one to his name meant to his name being changed by god to paul which means little one he he came with such passion that the people didn't know what to think of him because their itinerant um, prosperity teachers just talked so much louder. And so what made Paul special was that his heart was for the gospel. And he loved these people like his own kids. And he saw the Corinthian church as his own children. 
And that's where he writes the book of 2 Corinthians from. And so as we look at his hardships, as we look at the things that made him who he was, I have to ask, did that slow him down? The truth is, no way, Jose. You know what it did? It made him push even harder for the gospel. It supercharged his zeal for God and his love for people knowing what he was doing. It changed knowing that what he was doing changed people's lives forever. It was a catalyst. It, was the, it didn't take the oxygen out of his flame. Instead, it was fuel to his fire. And pain drove Paul on. Because let me say this. Bitter moments in life are not optional. Bitterness is. If you get nothing else from this message today, write that down. Bitter moments in life are not optional. Bitterness is. That's a choice. And so Paul, pushing through his pain, realizing that it has a purpose, this ambassador to the Gentiles writes to his beloved church in the, in the book of 2 Corinthians. And we'll pick up in verse 7. It says... But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. So let me uh, give you just a little bit more context. Paul is encouraging the Corinthians and how much he loves them and how much he considers them their children, that he's their father and that he will never lead them astray. And so if we were to go back, and we don't have time, but if we were to go back to chapter three, what Paul is saying is, listen, these guys are asking what my authority is. They're asking for a letter of reference. He says, you are my letter of reference. I have literally written you on my heart. That's how much I love you. And what he goes on to talk about is he goes on to talk about the old covenant. It's the, 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 the time where God was on Mount Sinai and he had Moses come up and, and Moses was up there and it was like, you know, the Ten Commandments and, and the, the children of Israel were freaked out. But Moses went up there and God gave Moses the law and he wrote it down on two tablets. And, and what Paul goes on to say was that was such a glorious time receiving the law that when Moses received the law from God and he, and he was able to inscribe what he did on the tablets, that Moses' face literally shone from being in the presence of God. And when he came back down the mountain, he had to put a veil on his face because people were like, you turned into a light bulb and you're freaking me out, man. And literally he had to put a light bulb on his face or he had to put a veil on his face until that glory of God faded. And so Paul, he's like geeking out. He's like, this is the most cool thing because he says, you know what? That's the old covenant. And he says, you know what the old covenant was supposed to do? All it was supposed to do is tell us we are wrong. We're fallen. We're sinful. We cannot get saved in and of ourselves. And what the Old Testament was doing with that old covenant was it was pointing directly forward straight to the cross of Jesus Christ where Jesus was gonna come in and he was gonna change the whole system because when Jesus came, he says, I did not come to, to do away with the law, but I came to fulfill the law. And so what God did through the cross of Christ was he ushered out the old covenant where we had the sacrificial system and it was never good enough. And he came and on the cross, Jesus poured out his blood of the new covenant. And Paul is asking, he says, how much more glorious will the new covenant of Christ be? And he's comparing it to light. He's saying, how much more glorious will the light of God's gospel be? And so what he's saying is that Jesus is the face and the grace of God. 
And so when he comes here and he says, but we have this treasure, what he's talking about is the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. These are clay pots. That's what the message calls it. It's a clay pot. And that is the beauty and the audacity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what this pot is made of? You know what it's made of? It's made of water and dirt. We can thank Pastor Pat Lasevich, who was here for um, a deal called the Potter's Hand, where he made this pot, and he was like, it was supposed to be broken, but you guys can have it. And so I took it today. And what God says through, or what Paul says, or God says through Paul in this verse, he says, listen, I have given you the treasure of Jesus's light, and I have put it in your clay pot. And he says, listen, it's special. I made it for this purpose. And then he says, because it's in your heart, he says, what happens is as you carry it in this earthen vessel that I've made, all of a sudden Jesus's light is shining in us. And you know what happens when we go through pain, when we go through life trials, we get broken and we get cracked, don't we? You know what happens in the cracks? And it's, it's kind of not as bright, but Jesus starts shining through the pain. The light of God that God has put into us starts coming out of the cracks that we get through growing old, the cracks that we get through going through hard times. The things that hurt us the most are the things that reveal Jesus the most in us when we react through faith and not fear. One commentator said that the glory of God being put into clay pots is like putting the hope diamond into a grocery bag. It doesn't make sense. But here's the beauty of it. You know what happens when you put something so precious and something so worthless? Nobody focuses on the pot. They all focus on the treasure inside. And that's what the glory of God inside of us is meant to do. And so you should never have somebody who's pastoring or somebody who thinks all that of themselves. Oh yeah, I'm such a good pastor. I'm such a good speaker. Yes, God is using me great. You know what it should say is it says, no, I'm not special because of who I am. I'm special because of who God is in me. And it's that I can rest on. It's that I can realize that I'm God's chosen. But it's nothing that I've done. It's everything that he's done. And so we are just cracked pots carrying the glory of God, shining him as we break. That's the purpose of pain. The purpose of our pain is that as we go older and we go through these trials and parts of our vessel get chipped off and broken, it reminds us that our time on earth is limited. And every crack we get, the glory shines through more. Every pain we go through It's another crack to the glory of God where when we are walking by faith, when we're pressing into what God has for us like the Apostle Paul, all of a sudden it's like, ah, oh, that hurt. And Jesus shines out. And you're like, no way, God, I don't want to go through with something else. And God says, I have a purpose in this. And as another crack forms, more of Jesus' light shines out. Man, another hole, another opportunity for God to manifest his glory in us. That's what we are. We're cracked pots. We're nothing special. What's special is what's inside of us. And when we experience that pain, Jesus shines through it. When we respond like Paul does, and we push forward in faith and trust in God and not in fear and not in disbelief, we shine Jesus 
so much more. That's the purpose of our pain. It shines and shapes our character, and it reminds us that we're not going to live forever. Those pains that you get as you get older are a blessing because they remind us that, hey, this is, this is it. This is not dress rehearsal. We get one shot at this, this uh, life cycle called life. We get one shot at it before we're ushered off this mortal coil and we have decisions to make on where we're going to go when we die. And so in the weakness of our pain, the strength of God is magnified. Let Jesus shine through our pain. Let me say this, church, we are never more like Jesus than when we share in the fellowship of his sufferings. Because Jesus, enduring the cross, was the champion of our suffering. He took it all. Verse 8, let's continue. It says, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. I, I mean, I'm kind of like thinking about what Paul is saying here, and, and I like it when people aren't just like giving me like half-truth, or they're, you're like, how are you doing? Oh, good, you know, and I mean, I don't want somebody to be like, I had the worst day ever, when you're just passing, but don't you love when people get real with you? Like Paul is not sugarcoating anything about his life, and he's not sugarcoating what the Christian life should be, and yet there's so much hope in these verses. Let's break them down really quickly, because what Paul says is we are hard-pressed. We are hard-pressed, but not crushed. It's so amazing how many things in nature have to be pressed in order for us to get the fragrance, the oil, the nutrients, whatever we're trying to get out of them, out. And so Paul says, listen, we're pressed, we're surrounded, but we are not crushed. That's the hope that we have in Jesus. You know who was crushed for us? Jesus was. He was crushed. He was bruised for our transgressions. He was crushed so that we wouldn't have to be. And so Paul says, listen, this is my real life. I am pressed, but by the grace of God, I am not crushed. And then he says, I am perplexed. And what that word means is it's without resources. I'm unsure of what to do. I even have some doubt. But you know what he says? I am not forsaken. I'm not in despair. I'm not without hope. And then he goes on to say, I'm persecuted. And we know what that means. It means harassed, troubled, mistreated, even made to flee. And we saw that many times in Paul's life where he was constantly chased by the Judaizers trying to kill him and whoop him and and just do anything they could to stop him from ministering the gospel to the Gentiles. And he says, I'm persecuted, but I'm never forsaken. And that is something that we can say with a glorious promise of God is that I will never leave you or never forsake you. And so we know that even in the midst of hardship, God is with us, watching over us. And that leads us to truth number two. Number one was pain has a purpose. Number two is truth, or I'm sorry, number two truth is pain is a purifier. Verse 10 says, always caring about in the body of the dying, I'm sorry, always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. Verse 11, for, who, for we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life is in you. Let me ask you this. Isn't it kind of crazy how our minds get super sharp with priorities when we're in pain? I mean, how many of you have gotten a bad cramp? See what happens. 
right? Okay, so you're walking along and you just got your sweet tea because we're in Texas and you're like going along and you're talking to your wife or your, you know, your friend or whatever and you get a cramp. If it's really bad, what happens? Tea, gone, conversation, over, floor, like, ah, you know, whatever it might be, you are trying to deal with this pain. I mean, do you care about the show that was on TV at that point? No. Do you care if your fantasy football is, is winning, your football team? Uh, let's not talk about that. Um, no, you don't care if your fantasy football team is winning. You don't even care what's for lunch. That's not, on the, that's not on the horizon unless you're a foodie. But, you know, all that you're thinking about is the pain. You're suffering. How many of us have ever had a kidney stone? Oh, it's the male equivalency to women's pregnancy, and I've had one before. I mean, I was like, I'm just going to punch a wall, and if I break my, ri- or break my fist, maybe that will help, like, the pain. I mean, that's what it was like. And, and they were, I was in the emergency room, and I was dancing through the chairs, and they're like, sir, you need to sit down. I was like, you need to not sit, you know, because I, I didn't know what to do. I, they were like, you need to go to the bathroom. And I was like, I can't. It's not going to work, you know. And, I mean, when you are in pain, when you're going through suffering, all the other things that don't matter fall away because that's what pain is. It's a purifier. Let me read those verses again in the New Living Translation. Verse 10 says, Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. That's the paradox of the gospel. We die so that we can have life. And then verse 11 says, Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the faith, the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. Guys, I don't want to get too dark here, but I'll tell you this. Nothing changes our priorities like the thought of imminent death. I was thinking about this. When you're going to die, when you're on your deathbed, you don't go, I wish I'd made more money. You know, I wish I'd vacationed more. No. I wish I worked longer at my job so I could get a better promotion. Those aren't the things that you're thinking about. What you're thinking about is, I wish I'd spent more time with my family. I wish I'd made more memories. I wish I'd, I'd talked to my kids more. I mean... It's crazy the things that you think about when you're, in your, when you're on your deathbed. But here's what Paul is saying. He's saying death is a constant danger for us. Death is always on the horizon. And so I say this, this this morning, a person in pain faced with death isn't worried about the trivial things of this world. Pain, when we allow it to do its intended work, is a refiner. It's like the refiner's fire mentioned in the book of Psalms and Proverbs and Isaiah and Jeremiah and, and Malachi. And what the refiner's fire is, is a metal worker, he'll get some precious metal and he'll take it and he'll put it in the smelter and he'll, he'll put it in and he'll turn up the heat. And as it heats, as it heats up, what happens in the metal is that the impurities in the metal will start to rise to the top. And what he'll do is he'll scrape that off and you think, oh, it's done. You know, the heat, the pain, it's over, you know, because the metal is like, ah, you know. Instead, what does the, what does the metal worker do? He doesn't turn it off, he turns it up. And so what happens is instead of those initial impurities that that only came out with so much heat, all of a sudden you're getting deeper and more impurities are coming to the surface. And the metal worker scrapes off that dross. And he keeps repeating this process until he sees a reflection of himself in the metal. 
That's a perfect example of what pain does to us through the, the work of Jesus is that he's purifying us with this pain and he's allowing it in our lives because what he wants to do is he, he wants to see his reflection in us because it makes us more like him. It's that refiner's fire because pain is a purifier. And let me say this, church, in the most gentle and gracious way I can. I'm not here to make light of anybody's pain. Anyone suffering any of the things that you've been through in your life or that you're going through right now. And some of you may be going through unspeakable things right now. Some of you may have endured pain that we can't even begin to fathom. But can I give you some hope today about whatever pain you're dealing with? As much as you would say, I don't want this. I didn't ask for this. I see people who don't have to live with this and I want to be like them. But here's the hope. If you have it, there's two things. Number one, God knows you can handle it. If you have this pain, God knows you can handle it. Number two, God wants to use it. God is going to use it. I said this earlier, God doesn't cause these things. The world that we're in is evil and the enemy causes all evil, but God wants to redeem what he has to allow in this fallen world because truth number three, pain is a passport. Pain is a passport. Verse 13 says, and since we have the same spirit of faith as the psalmist, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. Verse 14, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Paul says from this verse, he says, good things are happening even in our trials and difficulty. For through our hard times, Jesus shines brighter. He says, as many difficult things as I go through, I believe and therefore I'm going to know that Jesus is going to raise us up with you. And as we do this, as more and more people come, he's going to get more and more glory because good things are happening through our hard times. It was piano craftsman Theodore Steinway. How many of us have ever heard of a Steinway piano? They're kind of like some of the most famous ones. He said that it's 42,000 pounds of pressure exerted on 240 strings of a piano that create beautiful harmony. Likewise, with us, sometimes it's only the pressure, it's only the pain that we go through that causes a song to resonate in the hearts of those we are trying to reach. Our pain is a passport. Your pain is a passport. It allows us to go places that others can't go. Do you know that? Whatever you're carrying with you, pain-wise, you can minister to someone that maybe we can't reach. I, I can't help but think of some of the testimonies that we've heard from people who have been put into the hospital for terrible things, and then the light of Jesus shines through them so powerfully that they're able to share their experiences. I have a condition in my legs called lymphedema, and, and I, I, it's one of those things where I don't want this. I wish I didn't have it, but I know God knows that I can handle it. And he wants to use it. And, and I've been put in the hospital with, with um, infections and everything. And, and every time I go in, 
I have to remember that God wants to use this and he can use it to share, share his light through our pain. So whatever sufferings or trials or pain or persecution we've endured, God wants to use it as a passport to take us to places that, that others may not be able to go to shine the gospel. And so I encourage you, as you're out, look for opportunities to share Jesus as you build a bridge, as you make a connection with your story. And so we come, and we'll close with this. It's our last point. It's our last truth. It's pain isn't permanent. And we'll read the rest of the chapter. It says in verse 16, Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working in us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Guys, do you know what I'm saying? Do you know what Paul is trying to communicate here? Pain isn't permanent. This life is coming to an end. And what he is saying through these verses is that as our bodies get weaker, our spirits get stronger. As the cracks get bigger, the the glory of the gospel shines brighter. And he says, whatever we've gone through, and this is Paul, so, you know, he's not laughing at our pain. In fact, he's one that's endured everything more. The message says it like this. When he says light affliction, you know, he's like, yeah, this... For this, for our light affliction, the message says, well, these small potatoes in the light of God's glory. I mean, when you think about it, this is a dude that had been, uh, what we believe is killed by having rocks thrown at him and resurrected to continue with his mission where God said, I'm not done with you yet. You still have more to do. He's calling it small potatoes. He's calling it nothing. He's like, ah, it's a flesh wound, whatever, you know. And I mean, when you think of the pain that we go through, God is saying, yeah, it hurts. It's big. And I know it, 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 you carry it with you, but I can use it. And in fact, it's nothing compared to what's to come because pain is not permanent. No, what we have is the promise of God's glory. And we have the promise of heaven because we look at the eternal and not the temporary. And this is the hope that we have as Christians. It's going to be worth it all. The struggles, the trials, the pains we endure, the out of right field, life-changing shocks that hurt so bad that we can't breathe. It's going to be worth it all. The presence of heaven, the promise of Jesus, God's gift to us as we push forward by faith through the pain because God says, I am with you. My spirit lives in you. And even in your weakness, I am stronger. Paul says this twice in this chapter. He says, but we don't lose heart. You know what another way to say that is? We never give up. We never give up. Whatever you've gone through, whatever you're going through, whatever you will go through, for some of us who are younger, some of us who are older, whatever it is, you have to realize that your pain is for a purpose. So don't get bitter. Don't let your pain define you. Let it refine you. Realize that God wants to use our pain. Know that our pain makes us more like Jesus. Never give up. Let me tell you one more quick story. There was a little boy playing outside, 
And as he was outside, he was just geeking out because kids don't spend as much time out there, outside these days. And as he was rolling around, he saw a caterpillar and he was like, <gasps> you know, and I mean, little boys, they grab bugs. And so he brought it back and his mom was like, yeah, that's a caterpillar. And he's like, can I keep it? And she's like, uh. So she got a jar and she, he started feeding it lettuce and different plants. And he's like, I'll call him Fluffy. This is my little caterpillar, Fluffy. And he was all excited and he started building like little sticks for him. And then one day, caterpillar was acting weird and it got up on the stick and he's like mom and she was like it's okay caterpillars go through this thing called uh metamorphosis where they turn into butterflies and he's like this thing can fly you know and i mean of course it's like a transformer to him and so he's geeking out and next thing you know this caterpillar wove itself a cocoon and 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 he just goes on his day and he just keeps watching it and nothing's happening and finally this day comes where all of a sudden the cocoon starts moving and rattling and he's like it's happening you know and he's a little boy so he's freaking out and he watches and he sees this caterpillar who's just like ah clawing for life and and this little boy in his brain he goes oh He's struggling. He's struggling. I got to help him. And so he runs and he gets some Fisker's child safe scissors and he comes back and he sees the edge of the cocoon and he's like, I could, I could help Fluffy. I need to. I need to help Fluffy. And he goes and he snips the edge of the cocoon. And all of a sudden, the butterfly, this beautiful animal that's supposed to come out, this insect, all of a sudden comes out. And, and the little boy, he's, he's taken aback by what he sees because all of a sudden, instead of this beautiful butterfly with, with these ginormous you know, wings and colorful and everything, all he sees is a, is a swollen body with shriveled and colorless wings. And he starts to freak out and he says, I don't understand. And he goes to his mom and his mom Googles it. And, and what he found out is that it's the struggle that the butterfly endures, that the caterpillar endures becoming a butterfly that pushes all that fluid out of its body into its wings. And that's what gives the wings their beauty and their strength. And because he wanted to take away the pain and the struggle that this butterfly had, he didn't allow it to grow. He didn't allow it to achieve what it was supposed to. It was never going to fly. It walked around for as long as it lived the rest of the time. And I, I tell you today, that the pain that we endure, it gives us our color, our character. God allows it in our lives to happen, to make us stronger, to make us the creature that he made us to be. And so I would say to you, don't despise the pain, but instead know that God is with you and he wants to use it and it's gonna be worth it all. And even when we're when we're 18 and we feel like our lives are full and we've got nothing to care for or when we're... 118, and we're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die tomorrow. Whatever pain we go through, realize that God wants to use it and that the more cracks we have, the more Jesus shines through us. Can we pray? Father, I, I look around this room and there are a few people in this room that I know that have endured pain that I can't imagine. And that breaks my heart, Lord, and I know, God, you can use that. And so... Father, I just pray that whatever we're experiencing today, whatever pain we've gone through, Lord, that instead of allowing it to, to dwell on that pain and, and to dwell on the feelings that we feel from it and to, to let our past define us, I pray that, God, we would give that pain to you 
and realize, Lord, that you can use it and that you can use our stories to impact other people and you can use, Lord, the things that that we think are destroying us will make us so much more like you. And so, Jesus, thank you that we're never more like you than when we suffer and when we go through trials in life. And Lord, I pray today that all that was said, God, would sink deep in our hearts and it would encourage us to move forward. And I pray, God, that we would even read the hope of heaven, which continues on in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, because it's awesome. So we love you, Jesus, and we worship you this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.